We've been having a bit of a journey together over these mornings looking at <clears throat> what I've described as the, the four stages or the four states or the four conditions of humanity. And on day one, we talked and we looked together at the scriptures, at the revelation, that it's not just an opinion, this is a revelation, it's timeless truth about mankind made in the image of God, that we are set apart from the rest of creation, that we're not just like uh, the other animals, the other creatures, that there's something different, distinct about us. God put his stamp on us, that we would represent him in the earth. And actually the purpose, one of the, one of the main purposes for which God made us is that we would rule over creation, that we wouldn't be ruled and dominated by anxieties, fears, sins, selfishness, anger, but that we would rule, that we would be in that position under him and under his rule of ruling creation and showing creation what God is like, that God's plan is to show what he is like through human beings made in his image. We, we looked at that and um, I think we were in a sense of wonder and inspiration at, at, at what we were made for. We looked at our, our purpose and all of that. And then yesterday we had to, we had to go to a dark place. We had to take the, take, carry on with the story and look at what it, what it means that humanity fell, that we, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that even through Adam and Eve's uh, sin and through them getting deceived, that, we, that they took us with them. And, and, and now we're in this sort of state of being severed from the presence of God that, that none of us are born Christians. You might be born in a Christian family, but no one is born a Christian. It's impossible. You can't be born a Christian. Something has to happen. We are all born fallen. We're born in, in that state. We're in naturally, we are born in Adam, we are born severed and, and cut off from God in, in that sense. And, and we, we, we traveled there. It wasn't easy. I said some tough things, some things that were hard to say and things that were hard to hear. But until we see it, until we understand it, the rest of the story doesn't make sense. And I'm thrilled today on day three that we can, that we can look at the third state, the, this third condition of humanity. I'm so excited to talk to you about it. And, and, and what I've called it is, I've called it born again Humanity, born again humanity, it's a, it is the most glorious thing I, I could wish to talk about. To, and just to say, to say, to say born again is the same as saying Christian. You know, sometimes people say, I'm a born again Christian. That's like saying, I'm a Christian Christian. Okay, it's the same thing. You can't be born again without being a Christian. You can't really be a Christian without being born again. It's the same thing. It'd be like going to McDonald's and, and, the, and, the, and the person behind the says, what can I get you, sir? And say, I'll have a burger, burger. It's like, what? It's, just, it's weird. It doesn't make, it's, it's the same word. To be born again means you are a Christian. To truly be a Christian means at some point in your life, you have been born again. And I want to say this now, born again humanity is miraculous. If you are here and you are born again, you are a Christian, you are a walking miracle. You are literally a walking miracle. Something impossible has happened to you. Not something just amazing, we use that word so much, don't we? Or something extraordinary. Literally, something impossible has happened to you. And I know, you know, numbers of Christians who kind of feel like, because they weren't like drug, drug dealers, or they weren't murderers, or, you know, or, or they weren't sort of gang members before they became Christians, they sort of feel like, do you know what? I, I, when I talk about becoming a Christian, it just seems a bit tame. I haven't really got a story. It's not that amazing. Let me tell you, your story, if you are born again, is not just amazing. It is impossible. You are a walking miracle. 
Whether you, whether, you became a, whether you became a Christian, you know, as a, I don't know, like a, as a teenager, maybe you were a Christian a few months and your life was a, a car wreck and, and you tell these incredible dramatic stories and everyone goes, wow. Or whether you were three years old on your bed and, you know, your, your bedroom wall was plastered in Bible verses and, and you have more Bibles than teddy bears and, you know, your, 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 your Christian mum and Christian dad sat on the end of the bed with you and, and, and prayed this prayer and you prayed to come to know Jesus. And, but you can't even remember it, actually. You can't even remember that moment. But you, but you were born again in that moment. I want to tell you that, that in the grand scheme, in the truest sense, both of those situations are as impossible as one another. There's really not that much to separate them. And after I've explained why today, I'm sure that you will see that and hopefully there will be a fresh revelation from Scripture about why that is the case. You see, the reality is this is that, is that humans, if you like, have, we have our outer man, what the Bible calls the outer man, the body. We have this body, uh, which when we die, you know, that is when it, it, it the, the death initially in that sense is death of the body the body decays the outer man then there's the inner man and some people use the word soul to describe that and it's the idea it's the personality it's your kind of it's your emotions your will your imagination your, it's all of that it's kind of it's, it's invisible but it manifests through the outer man it, it manifests through your physical body and yet the bible teaches this that our spirit is dead that, that when, we are, when we are born, though we have that soul, that, that inner man and, and the outer man, that spirit in terms of our, our ability to connect with God, it's, not, it's dead. It's not there. It, it, it's like, it's like when, when you get born again, it is like this. You haven't really got a whoop or be too excited, but it is a helpful visual illustration. When you are born again, it is literally like the presence of God the presence of God himself comes to a human being, whether they've had an awful life or a lovely life, doesn't matter, we're all in the same boat. This fallen human being who has this inner man and this outer man, but spiritually speaking, is dead to God. When you are born again, something happens whereby you are connected to the source. You are connected. I can't believe it, it worked. It didn't just suddenly break when I touched it. You are connected to the life of God. You become spiritually alive. You're no longer severed. You're no longer alienated. You're no longer disconnected. It is real. It is experiential. You know the very life of God flowing into your life. You know the presence of God flowing into you. This is what happens when you are born again. It is extraordinary. It is impossible. I'm going to share some of my story with you today. But I want you to have that image in your mind as I talk about this. Because to be born again means you get connected in the deepest possible sense with the very life of God. I want to say to you this, that to be born again is an inexplicable thing almost. I look at my story. I was 18 when I would say I properly came to know Jesus. Uh, my, my upbringing was kind of a bit of a mixed bag. My mum is a believer. My dad isn't a believer. My mum and dad uh, were divorced when I was three. And so I guess I kind of got brought up in sort of two sort of worlds, really. One Christian, one not. And um, when I got to age, I think it was 15, 16, I made a conscious decision to say no to Jesus. Now that is, that is dangerous territory. When you know the gospel and you say no, there's something incredibly dangerous. It leaves you in a very vulnerable place spiritually. And I walked away. I walked away from church. Um, 
I think maybe deep down I, I knew the truth, but I walked away. And, I, and it was, remember yesterday I t- t- told you about this kind of slavery I was in with the kind of sexual stuff and, and I didn't know how to deal with that. I talked about it. It was partly that. I'll tell you what else it was. The other main thing was, was that the biggest thing in my life was what people thought of me. I was literally gripped by this whole kind of, will I be accepted? You know, will people like me? It was dominating. It wasn't, it's, there's the kind of element where it's natural, but it was dominating. I would do the most outrageous really bad things in order to make certain people laugh and, and like me. I, I would hurt other people to get other people's approval. It was really, really ugly. And the thought of telling people that I love Jesus and, and, and their response to me, this was like a God to me, what people thought of me. And, and so I just, it was those, I was serving and worshipping other things. I was, I was worshipping sex. I was worshipping other people. And I, that, that's what I loved the most. And, and, I, and, and as a result, I, I walked away from Jesus. And then I went to an event similar to this. And the reason I went to an event similar to this, I'll be honest with you, it was, it was a free holiday. My mum said she'd pay for me to go. And so I, I, it was a free holiday, and, and I liked a girl that was going. So I thought, well, that's, I'll, I'll go along. But I had no interest in Jesus. I wasn't seeking God. I wasn't hostile. I just didn't care. I didn't care. I thought I was doing all right. I look back now and think, man, you were a mess. But I thought I was doing all right. I thought I was cool. I'd, I'd sorted out a six-pack in the last six months. I was happy with that. Um, I wore a really cool bandana, so, you know, as far as I was concerned, I was, I was doing all right, you know. <laughs> my life was really about my appearance, so I thought I was having a great time. And I got to this uh, camp, and you know what? I, I enjoyed it. I met some lovely people. I always liked Christians. I never envied them, but I always liked them. I thought they were nice people, um, so I enjoyed being around them. Wasn't interested in Jesus. Went on some of the meetings. They walked out when it got a bit hairy. You know when it gets a bit hairy? Stand near the door, walk out, look in the window, because God can't get me from outside, Right? And, um, but I, you know, and then I don't even, but here's the thing. I don't actually know what happened, but it was about night five, night six. I can't remember the sermon or anything. I can't remember. But, and I remember someone at some point saying, can I pray for you? And I was like, okay. Then I was thinking, I really don't want you to. <laughs> I really don't want you to, but I, I like you. And if I say no, I might hurt you. And what really matters to me is that you like me. So I'm not going to say no. I mean, it's that bad. So I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Pray for me. So pray for me. And they finished like, that's done, you know. Uh, and then I remember, and it was night fight, it was maybe the same night, a long time ago now, sat on the floor, and I said, Jesus, I'm all yours. I said, I, I don't even know what, I don't know what got me to that place. Right, there was, but I said, Jesus, I'm all yours. And do you know what? My mum's a believer, like I said. She'd been praying for me for years. And she believes in a big God. But even my mum, when she found out I'd become a Christian, she thought, well, how long is this going to last? Because I was so ridiculous as a person. She thought, oh yeah, it's another fad. Well, it's been 27 years. And um, he's faithful. Now, here's, here's the deal. Why has it been 27 years? I'll tell you why. I got born again. I, is, I got born again. In that moment, I, and you know what? It was the most bizarre it wasn't dramatic. I wasn't saying that moment. I was like, but something happened whereby, um, then they said, oh, I think the next day, we're going to go and take some people out on coaches into the local town and tell them about Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, I'd like to go and do that. And I'm sort of looking at myself thinking, did I? Is that? And I went and did it. I got home and, and, and all my friends were like, you know, oh, yeah, where have you been up to? Where have you been? This stuff. You know, I brought up on a council estate, you know, with the boys. It was kind of that sort of vibe. I said, I, I, you know, I don't know how I said it, but I was, I was, I've got religion. I, don't, I said something weird, but I said, I've become a Christian. They all laughed at me and I didn't care. 
And I'm looking at myself. You know those moments where you have a bit of an out-of-body experience? You look at yourself and you go, what's happened to me? I don't care. I took my best mate out for a drink to tell him the news. And he knew something was up because I ordered a shandy. He knew something was, something was going on. And um, I sat in the pub garden with him and I said, I've become a Christian, Barry. I've become a Christian. He said, this time next year, you'll be in this pub garden getting off with some girl. That's what he said. It's exactly what he said. I said, mate, I said, look, I said, I wasn't in any, any position to make any boasts about this time next year. I said, Matt, I said, all I know is I'm a Christian. Jesus changed my life. I got born again. A miracle happened. That's the point. Okay, and I want you to hear that. You, I really, you need to hear. Um, God did something. Yes, I, I, I committed my life to Christ, but I don't even know how I got there. I did do, I did, I did. Yes, I said, Lord, but... God did, God did, God worked beforehand, God did something in that moment, God has been with me ever since, it is a work of God, it's when God, it is the activity of God, and it's a miracle, and I want to unpack how that works to you, for you this morning, so that you really get it, let's read from John chapter 3, because it's a mysterious thing, in John chapter 3, at night time, someone comes to Jesus to ask him a question, let's have a look, John chapter 3 says this, there was a a man of the Pharisees, they were like um, the, the, the very, very strict religious leaders. Um, there's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night, right? He's coming at night because the Pharisees officially didn't like Jesus. And so he has to sneak and ask him. If, he came at night and he says, Rabbi, teacher, we know you're a teacher come from God. No one can do the signs you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. When God, who is spirit, comes in, he, he makes you alive in the spirit. It's different from the soul in that sense. He makes you alive in this. You're alive to God. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, or the Spirit blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? It was, it was beyond him. How can these things be? I want to explain to you today how these things can be. I want to explain what's going on here. For those of you that are born again, I want you to understand what has happened because the Bible says when you know the truth, it sets you free. So those of you that do know the Lord, you know the Lord Jesus, you know you're born again, you know you're a Christian. As you hear what, it actually, what has actually gone on, my hope and trust is there's a fresh revelation. You know, it in, you know what's happened in a deeper way than you ever have before and, and it sets you free to a new level of enjoying God. A new level of confidence in terms of who He has made you and what He's done. A new, a new place of absolute, I know now who I am in Christ. I know and what this means for X, Y, and Z in terms of life, the future, the past, the present. And for those of you who are you're saying, no, I'm not born again, or I don't know, listen, I'm just praying that God will bring clarity today. 
I'm just praying that as I speak, clarity will come. The Holy Spirit will come and bring clarity to those of you that are but don't realize it. And it'll bring assurance to you. And you'll be like, yes, I am. I know I am. And I'm praying and I've been praying and asking God, saying, Lord, Lord, would you touch those who aren't? And would you do to them what you did to me? You know, I hope you're not offended by that. I hope that doesn't make you feel like I'm, I'm being out of order. But I've been praying for you. I've been saying, Lord, what you did to me then 27 years ago, I'm so grateful. I didn't even want to know you. But now, now you've opened my eyes. I think, what a fool I was. Thank you so much. I've never met a person who has become born again, who has been angry with God for doing it. I've never met someone who's like, darn, got born again. I've never met that person. Every person I've met has been deeply grateful. Every person I've met who's truly born again has said, you know what, I was blind. I was in darkness, but now I see. And that's my prayer for you. And I believe that's God's heart for many, many in this tent today. Remember God's plan A, and God never has a plan B. God never has a plan B. He didn't need a plan B because God never fails. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what he's doing. He's utterly sovereign, majestic over the whole of creation. So God's plan A, if you remember, was that he would spread his glory throughout the whole planet through human beings. We know that Adam and Eve got it wrong. We know that Adam and Eve took us with them. We know that now we're all born in a state of fallenness. But there's been one man, one man who was not born fallen. Because the Bible teaches this most extraordinary truth, that God's determination to fulfill his plan A, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in times eternity past, even before creation was made, that in the heart of God, God's plan to save, was that the Son would come. The eternal Son of God, who's also called the Word of God, would become flesh and be born as Jesus of Nazareth. Would be, would be conceived by the Holy Spirit and into, into, the, into the body of the Virgin Mary. And that he would live and he would, not, he would not be born under the curse of sin. That this man was uniquely different. If you like, it's almost like God says, I will create a new humanity under a new leader. From among fallen humanity, I will call out a people for myself. I will call out a people for myself from among fallen humanity. Not a divided people. I'm going to call out a people under this new leader, under this new head, under this new Adam. I'm going to call out a people and they won't be divided by gender. They won't be divided by race. They won't be divided by class. Under this new leader, they will find him and they will find one another. And so how does this thing work? How, does, how on earth? This is complex stuff. Okay, bear with me now. I'm going to give you an illustration to help you understand it. Imagine for a moment, and I'm sorry if for some of you this is actually what has happened, genuinely. If this is your experience, I'm genuinely sorry, and this is not a personal dig in any way. But imagine that your mum or your dad committed one of the most vile crimes that you could imagine, the kind of thing that society hates, the kind of thing that society thinks is the most disgusting thing. And, and, and it went to court, and they got found guilty, and it was all over the newspapers, it was all over social media, the question I want to ask you is this. You didn't do it, but would that affect your life? Massively. Hugely. It would be guilt by association. You'd be hounded at school and college. You might want to change your surname. You might want to change your surname because you're lumped in. One way or another, you are lumped 
in with that. That's how it works, folks. Adam and Eve took us with them. Adam and Eve took us with them. You see, the way God sees humanity, it's not just as little individuals here and there. He sees it as a family. He created a family. And when Adam and Eve went that way, they took us with them. And there's guilt by association. There's more to it than that, but it's important. If you don't understand that, then you won't understand the gospel. Because there's such a glorious truth that comes with the gospel, you've got to understand that first. There is guilt and shame by association. We're, we're born in the experience of it as well. We live with guilt. We live with shame. We live with personal guilt and personal shame. But it's all rooted back in this connection to Adam. It's all rooted back. We're part of that fallen humanity. They took us with them. They're our parents, naturally speaking. It's true of Adam and it's true of us. But not only that, you know what? It's not only that. It's not just guilt by association. The Bible says that we are born with this bent away from God. It's not just that, oh, you know, imagine, imagine if your, your mum or dad did this thing. There might be that thought in your mind that goes, do you know what? Is, that, is there potential in me to do that? There may be that. You might think, gosh, have I, has that been passed on? You might do that, you know. Let me tell you how spiritual inheritance works in many ways in this situation. It's not just that we're associated with them, that we're under their family, but it's actually also we've got a heart of stone, the Bible says. When it comes to God, we've got a heart of stone. There is no pulse. There is no spiritual pulse. I hope this works. There is no spiritual pulse. It's just like a lead. It's like there. It's like there's no life. There's no life in it. There's no, it's just dangling. There's no life in it. We don't, we don't know God naturally. We don't get God naturally. Something supernatural has to happen. And so it's not just that we're associated guilt by association. Also, the family traits are there. We disobey. We mistrust. We are guilty and shame-ridden, just like Adam and Eve. And so what does it mean to be born again? It means this. Here we go. It means that God quickens your spirit. There is a work of God so that you get it. You cannot get the gospel without a work of God. It's just like, oh, that's a nice idea. Oh, I'm glad you believe that. I believe this. When the Holy Spirit comes and you hear the gospel, it goes, wow. You go, what? And suddenly it makes sense. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. He comes and he quickens and he, he awakens your spiritual, um, your, your spirit so that you can grasp, you can begin to comprehend. It begins to make sense. The penny drops. And when you're born again, God quickens your spirit and it empowers you to reach out in faith to Jesus. It's not just you kind of trying to yell have a bit of Jesus. No, no, no. There's a, there's a power from God to enable you to do what I did that night when you go, Jesus, I'm all yours. And there's a moment, there's a transaction that happens where through faith, through that genuine faith that has come in that moment, there's this, you close the deal with Jesus. You are, the Bible says you are united with him through faith. It's like I'm one with him. And, and now when I pray, I know who I'm praying to because I, I know him. It's, it's experience. You know, when the Bible talks about knowing, it's a word of experience. I know him. It's not, it's not just groping around. I'm not just saying my prayers anymore. I'm praying. It's reality. It's absolute reality. You reach out in faith to Jesus as your new father in that sense, as a, as a head of the family. You, you, you say yes in the deepest sense to the, say, I want to be in your family. I want to be under your headship. You say no to the darkness. 
You say no to self on the throne. You say no to all the stuff we looked at yesterday. You say, you say, Lord, I want to bring my whole, the whole iceberg. I want to bring the 10%, the 90%. I want to be in your family, Jesus. And that, when you, in doing that, that, is, that, that cannot be done by a corpse. <laughs> a spiritual corpse can't do that. Try telling this dead old leader, come on, do something. What are you going to do? Come on, electrocute me. Nothing. Disconnected, no life, no power surging through. When God comes and he quickens you with the gospel and he quickens your heart to Jesus and to Christ, there's this faith that comes and you go and you reach out and you are joined in new life to him and you go, I don't know what's happened, but I'm not who I was. I look the same. My God-given personality is the same, but my whole center has changed. In my deepest place now, I want something different. I want God. And the things I used to love and want, I don't really, they, they, they've, lost their, they've lost their appeal. In that moment, you are transferred from one humanity to another humanity, from one state of humanity to another, from one family to another, from one kingdom to another. The current is flowing. The life of God comes in. But there is more. There is even more. You see, here's the reality. Where Adam disobeyed, Christ obeyed. And where Adam's disobedience was put into your account as if you'd done it. Jesus Christ's obedience is put into your account as if you'd done it. Oh. Oh. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again. Where Adam's disobedience, spiritually speaking, was paid into your account as if you had done it with all of the entailing guilt and shame and separation, Jesus Christ's total obedience to the will of the Father. Perfect, the only man to perfectly obey the will of the Father, the only righteous man to have ever lived. His righteousness is paid into your account as if you had done it. The moment you are born again, you are utterly right with God as if you had lived the life that Jesus lived. That is, please hear that. If you want to clap, it's fine. If you don't, it's fine. My burden is that you hear it. My burden is that the Spirit of God goes boom into your heart and brings revelation that you understand. In Christ, you are under a brand new system. You're under a system of extraordinary, perfect righteousness. God sees you in Adam. God now sees you in Christ. So the moment I gave my life to Jesus that night, I, you know, I was a mess. I had, I had lived. I, the suffering I'd experienced, the sins I'd done, the slavery I was into, in so many ways, you know, God knew when he took me on, it was a lifetime job of transformation. Lifetime. Right? One degree of glory to another. But in that moment, 27 years ago, when I said, I'm all yours, Jesus, at that moment, I was perfectly righteous before God. Why? Because it's not my own righteousness, it's Jesus Christ's righteousness was put into my account. That's why I can draw near to God. That's why I can stand. This is the glory of being born again. And that's why we go, Jesus, we're amazed. That's why we get so excited about his righteousness. If it was just, if it was this, Jesus is really righteous. Why don't you be like him? So many people think that's what Christianity is. Then it's someone saying, look, Jesus is really righteous. Follow his example. Brothers and sisters, that is not good news. That's a nightmare. It's like getting Usain Bolt in and saying, run across a tent. And they're saying, now you do it like that. Oh, cheers. Nice. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I'm going to look really good doing that, aren't I? 
You know, you, you run across now. We've just saw Usain Bolt. It was wonderful. Now, now you have a go. Just, it's fine. Just try and do it just like him. Yeah, right, okay. Demoralizing, yeah. For so many people, that's what they think Christianity is. Look at Jesus. Be like that. Look at Jesus. Trust in him. Trust in him. Trust in him. Because his perfect righteousness, as far as the Father is concerned, is given as a gift. Adam went his own way. Jesus went the way of the Father. Adam caved in under temptation. Jesus resisted. Adam put himself first. Jesus sacrificed himself. He laid down. You know, we all deserve to die because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Only one man never deserved to die because he didn't sin, and that's Jesus. And he's the one who died the worst death anyone's ever died. Why? Because he says, I'm going to stand in their place. I'm not going to just live my life for them so that I, out of my righteous life, I can give them righteousness. Not only that, I'm actually now going to stand in their place in terms of death so that I can atone for their sins. I'm going to bear their sins in my body. I'm going to take every single sin that not just, I'm going to take every sin that they're ever going to commit, I'm going to bear it in my body now so that they can be utterly saved as they come to me. So that there's not one thing that can stick to them before the presence of God. So there's not one thing that can successfully accuse them. And so Satan can try and accuse and you know, make you feel bad, but in reality, because Christ bore your sins in his body, past, present, and future, he absorbed them in his body willingly, willingly, out of love, out of passion to reach you, out of desire to, for you, to, to win you back for his glory. Out of that place, he bore your sins in his body so that you could be completely forgiven. And that you could, you know what? It is the most astonishing thing. I think some of the things I've done, they're disgusting. Hor- horrible. And I can stand with my head held high before God. Think, how on earth can I? And I know I'm going to heaven as well. I know I'm going to heaven. Think, how? Because none of this is based on my righteousness. None of this is based on me. All of it is based on him. When we say that we stand on Christ, that he is our foundation, that's exactly what we're saying, that it's not, it's not oh, I'm, I'm praying now because I've had a good week, so God will accept me. If, you, if that's how you're living, you're on the wrong foundation, my friend. That is not a foundation of Christ. Jesus is perfectly righteous for eternity. Therefore, I am allowed into the presence of God, welcomed into the presence of God 24-7 based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be born again. Do you understand this? Do you know this? Is this becoming real in your heart? Holy Spirit, I ask you, precious Holy Spirit, use these words. Use these words. Bring revelation and bring life, I pray. The Bible says, like the trespass, so the gift. And then, it, and then elsewhere it says, like the trespass, not like the gift. Why? And here's why. Because the Bible says, actually, there's a little bit of a difference between the Adam thing and the Christ thing. And it's this. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a word in the Bible. It's a bit of an unusual word, but it means superabound. And what it means is this. What God has done for you in Jesus hasn't just leveled it, leveled it out. Oh, Adam did that. Oh, we'll straighten that out. No, no. There's a word called superabound, which means God's gone over the top. 
It means it's gone totally over the top. God could, God could have just done the legal thing and just straightened out the thing. So we've added it all up now. Okay, you know, you're kind of, you were guilty. Now we'll declare that you're not guilty because of Christ. But, you know, that's it now. The Bible says, no, he doesn't just do that. It's not just the legal thing. Hallelujah, that's plenty. That the judge would declare us not guilty in Christ. That is amazing. That would be enough to celebrate our whole lives. But he actually says, no, I'm going to adopt you as well now. I want to bring you into my family. I want to I make you my own. I want to draw you right in to my heart so we can walk together and become friends. That is the heart of God. It's called superabound. It's over the top and it speaks of the love of God. It is unmanageable. It is uncomfortable, but it is glorious and it is the truth. It's the Bible. It's the word of God. It's a timeless revelation. To be honest, I don't mean this in a kind of a harsh way, but on one level, like kind of your opinion or your assessment of it is kind of on a different level from what it is because it is true. It's just the truth. And I'm going to ask you today to submit to it. The Bible says the part of becoming a Christian is that you, you devote yourself on a heart level to a body of truth, to, to a teaching, this teaching, the gospel teaching that you say, I'm committed to that. I'm going to submit to that. I've got 101 voices in my mind, 101 opinions, but there's, I can sense something in me is saying this is true. The Holy Spirit is convincing me this is it, and I'm going to submit myself to this body of truth, to this body of teaching, and it will change my life forever in Christ. So we're going to, I've spent a long time on it. I'm going to just run through just quickly what we've been doing the last few mornings and I'm going to get a chance for you guys to respond. Number one, what's the purpose then for for born again life? It's that God would restore his image in you. The image of God in you has been ruined through sin, ruined through fallenness, through corruption. God is now restoring it in you through your being joined to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God is committed to bringing you to glory, to bringing you to maturity. What he has started, he will complete. So even though he accepts you fully, you're totally righteous right through now to when you meet him in glory. If you've put your faith in Christ, if you are born again, you are perfectly righteous in Christ. Now what he's also doing at the same time is he's saying this, I want to perfect you. I want to restore my image in you. I want to I put my, I want to I I help. Let's get, let's get off the brokenness. Let's, let's heal the wounds. Let's get you back to glory, which is what you were made for. Let's, let's begin to work on you. It's the purpose of God because God's plan, remember, is people carrying his image, filling the earth. That's how he's going to save this planet. And so his priority is to restore his image in you so that as you go out and live your life walking with him, in fellowship with him, others can see Christ in you. You know, the Bible says we're like living letters written by the Holy Spirit, which means this. If you're born again, you will be the first Bible many people read. You will be the first Bible many people read. They want to know about God. They'll look at you in your life if they know you're a Christian. Say, I want to find out about this Jesus. And they'll be watching you. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will give you the power to be able to live a different kind of life. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And then you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you're empowered to live for God. And then when you get it wrong because you're still not perfect, by God's grace and Jesus' work in your life, you're humble and you apologize. And you say, I've got it wrong. I wasn't a good witness. Please forgive me. And even that blows people away that don't know Jesus because people don't tend to apologize. And we're we're on an absolute winner. In God, the purpose of God is to restore his image in you and to work on you, in you. And if you let him go to work, he will do glorious things in you. And the, what are the pleasures? Well, I'll name but a few. <laughs> the pleasures of being born again. Peace with God. Peace with God. Not, not that I have to create some God of my own that fits with my current preferences and, and then pretend I'm worshipping. No, no, no. The living God. Holy, perfect, 
utterly pure. I can know peace with him through being joined to Jesus Christ. No skeletons in my cupboard. I haven't got to hide anything from him. I haven't got to go into a different mode when I pray, use a different voice, use different language. I come as I am because in Christ I am completely righteous and completely welcome. I come as I am and I talk to him and I let him know exactly what's going on and I pour out my heart and I know I have peace with God and that brings the peace of God into my soul. That's a pleasure of being born again. It's absolutely glorious. Here's another one, a cleaned up conscience. You know, when you sin, your conscience gets defiled. You get ruined, you get messed up, you, you find yourself doing stuff you never thought you'd do. You find yourself saying things. A couple of years ago you said you thought I'd never say that. You get messed up, you know, when you get, when you get saved, when you get born again, your conscience is washed through. It's just, it was defiled and now it's cleaned and it's tender and it loves the Lord. It's just like, man, this is the pleasures of being born again. This is reality. This isn't just uh, an idea. This is revelation, friendship with God, a life of faith. Wow. Man, alive, a life of faith, a life where you say, all right, Lord, I'm all yours. Like, what, 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 what are you saying? Where are we going? What are we doing? I lay down. I, I'm, I will trust you. I will trust you with my hopes, with my dreams, with my fears, because I, I actually believe you are totally trustworthy, that you will make a much better job of my life than I ever would. I lay down my pride and my self-will and think I know what's best. Lord, here I am. What, where are we going? What are we doing? And you know, sometimes there's seasons of amazing kind of breakthrough and sudden things. Sometimes it's not like that. It's a bit quiet. I'm not saying it's always kind of like adrenaline. Sometimes it's quiet. Sometimes it can be a bit, you think, oh Lord, are you doing anything? You know, but he's so faithful. He just works and works in us and he, he's so committed and he, he will never let you go. I mean, this is the faithfulness of God in Jesus Christ. You know, God is a covenant God. God makes promises and God keeps them. God is blood earnest in his promise. Never broke a promise. Never lied. Never broken a promise and never lied. Doesn't do it. The Bible says there's one thing God can't do. God is omnipotent. He can do all things. No, no, no. He can't lie. He can't lie. He is the truth. And if he commits to you, he commits to you all the way. Hallelujah. So I just want to just say there's, there's so many pleasures. What are the problems and what's the pain of, of born again life? Well, there's trials and temptations. Definitely. It's warfare. It's the stuff last night, the battleship, cruise ship thing. That was so, that was genius. It's, it's, there's, there's, there's trials and temptations. It's not the easy life. It's life to the full, but it's not the easy life. You have to, Jesus said you've got to die to yourself daily. Daily you've got to pick up your cross. There's things you say no to in yourself daily as you say yes to him. This is like, I'm not, gonna, I'm not a salesman. You know, like salesmen, they just tell you all the easy stuff. I'm a useless salesman. I refuse to be a salesman. I had a van once, a camper van, and um, a friend of mine sort of said, well, can you sell it for me? I said, I'll try People come around and say, well, is this, that's good, but then you've got the rust here. I'll make sure you look under there. There's a little hole there, and uh, I don't want to be honest. Couldn't sell it for toffee. Went on holiday for a week. A friend of mine sold it in a week. <laughs> I'm not a salesman. I will not do it. I'll tell you the whole story. You want to follow Jesus? There was a guy once who said, if I've become a Christian, does that mean I have to stop wearing jeans? That's the question he asked. Does that mean I have to stop wearing jeans? His wise Christian friend said this to him, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Why? Because it's wrong to wear jeans? No. Why? Because maybe jeans was too much of a thing in his heart. And if Jesus is God, then yeah, you've got to stop wearing jeans. You're going to put Jesus first? You've got to be radical. All or nothing. I'm all yours, Jesus. I'm all your four words. Not a fancy prayer, but there's some, there's some deep meaning in that. All yours. Surrender. Trust. Come on, here we go. You can't. The human heart has only got room for one true God. Jesus will not come and share the throne with anybody else. You want Jesus? He comes as Lord and Saviour. He comes as Lord. And if you think that's a negative thing, then all I want to say to you is, you need the Lord to open your eyes. Because you were made to live under His Lordship. You were made to live under His headship. And if you're not living under that, I'll tell you what, you are living in another kingdom. You're living under the headship of another, and it's dark. 
There is no grey. There's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And so you've got to understand, this is, this is big stuff. The main enemies we've got, I'm going to wrap it up with this, are the flesh, the world and the devil. The flesh basically means this. Even though we're saved, we're born again, we're brand new creations, we still live with sin inside of us. And so we've got to put it to death. There's just a, you, just, you just learn, the Bible says, those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh of his passions and desires. Every day you pick up the cross and you say no to corrupt desires that you will have with you until the day you die. The Bible says if you, are, if you live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It doesn't say you won't have them. It says you won't gratify them. So you won't give in to them. You won't say yes to them. You will crucify them. Then there's the world. The world is the, the Bible uses that word to describe that kind of system, which is basically of, of, of life on this planet that is set up against him. And it's basically just about trying to get you to lust after things and trying to get you to be proud. It says in 1 John 2, the world of its lusts and longings and, and the boastful pride of life. And it's the world is set up to get you to want more all the time and to get you to think you're some big thing in and of yourself. And the Bible says this, how do we overcome the world? Our faith. Our faith, because we realize this, what the world is doing is promising you things constantly. If you do this, if you just get that, if you have that, they're false promises, they're lies, they do not work. Our faith says, I am believing the promises of God. I'm believing the faithful one. I'm believing the one who said he's come, that we might have life and life all its fullness. And the final enemy is the devil. And the Bible says this, that if you put on the full armor of God, you will be able to take your stand against the schemes of the devil and you will win through. God will give you all that you need to overcome the enemy because Jesus has overcome him in a final way on the cross. But in terms of the rest of our life, where he's still trying to snipe us and all of that, the Bible says if you put on the full armor of God, you will be able to stand against his schemes. Amen? Amen. What do we do now? <laughs> I, I, I never really know at this moment, to be honest. I never quite know what the best thing to do is. Because I know that for some people, there's just, there's just going to be a quiet moment, which maybe at this point, no one's going to know about, but you're going to say, Jesus, I'm all yours. And you know, that's beautiful. And there's nothing wrong with that. It always starts between you and Jesus, even if others are involved. That's, the Bible says you call on his name, you'll be saved. So I don't, want to, I don't want to ever, that's what happened to me. That's my story. That's cool. If it's genuine, then it will start to overflow out. You want to tell people, you know. But there may be others of you in the room and you just know, do you know what? You just feel like in your heart, it's a moment where you, where you either want to say, I've been fiddling around. I'm, I've been fiddling around with this born again thing. I now know, I know to that. I've heard, I, am, I know Jesus. I know I'm born again. And I, I want to just stand to say, Lord, I'm born again. And I don't want to listen to the lies and the doubts and the nonsense anymore. I want to start putting my armor on and standing on the truth. I want to start saying, yeah, I'm submitting to this body of teaching. I'm all in, Jesus, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to give you a chance in a moment. If you just know, you've kind of, you've realized you're born again, but you, you know it's been a bit, it's felt a bit muddy and it's felt a bit like you've been knocked here and knocked there. And today you want to say, I'm standing on the rock of Jesus, end of the story. In just a moment, I'm going to let you just do that. And it's not your way of staying, your way of saying, you know, in front of whoever wants to see Jesus, I am all yours. I'm just confirming it. But then there may be others of you, and for whatever reason, and I don't know, only you know, but for whatever reason, it's important that you give your life to Jesus now and you do so in a public way. I don't know why that might be. Okay, all I know is for you, you just know, no, do you know what? I've got to nail this one publicly. For whatever reason, you know that just doing, God isn't leading you in this moment to have a little moment by yourself. God's leading you to, you know? And so, if you just know one way or another, you've heard the teaching today and you've, you're inspired by it, you say, oh man, 
I'm born again, or I want to be born again. I want to, oh, I, I, something's happened in this message, and I want, to, I want to reach out to Jesus and say I'm all yours. And you, if, if, if that's either of you, I'm just going to just ask you to stand where you are. And you're standing before God now, and then we're going to just lead you in a response of prayer. I'm going to give you a moment to just do that, okay?